0: Welcome to Upward Together. By joining us, you are entering a community built upon exploration, respect, and non-judgment. We aren't sure where our musings will take us, but we thank you for stopping by. What's in your mind? Lately. I had an interesting conversation with the head of behavior health services for my organization
1: today oh nice
0: and how did that go it made me think uh it made me think of some interesting perspectives on psychiatry and clinical psychology and accessibility because he Is a therapist, um, and I was talking about wanting to be trained in multiple modalities and not strictly rely on drug interventions as a psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and be capable of providing care in different ways, and just was talking about oh and you know and also potentially if I do clinical psychology, then I won't be prescribing at all. But he mentioned, which I had never really considered before the potential issue with doctorate level degrees and accessibility of programs or institutions needing to be able to justify paying the higher level credentialed individual, which I hadn't Mm -hmm. thought of it really from that lens before as an accessibility issue. He wasn't trying to t- say, you know, don't get a PhD or don't get an MD, but I just hadn't really considered it before. Is he, are In you
1: saying accessibility, like, because it's really hard to get into or that it's expensive or what was the driving factor?
0: Well, well that providers having further education and uh, graduate degrees can increase the price of services rendered because of the expectation of higher salaries
1: based on the higher potential. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That makes a that makes a lot of things
0: which I, know, I I hadn't I mean it makes sense. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. In my in my head it was kind of always the the conversation and that's what I've been getting ready to do and I can um, barely hear that. Oh, really? You couldn't hear yeah. open the door. I don't know what that what was. was. Oh, it that was very door. very quiet. It. Oh, nice. Very I just very quiet. Forget that the mic is sensitive and doesn't pick up everything. Did that give you pause? I wish.
1: The conversation. What, what, like how how did it make you re-reflect? Yeah. Or what? What it, is going through your mind?
0: It made me re-reflect on. Thinking about in my career as a physician, what am I trying to accomplish and what do I want to actually be doing and continue to discern that and refine that more specifically so that I can look for training programs that will allow me to do that and provide opportunities in an area or network where there are also postgraduate residency opportunities to do similar things.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So he said something along the lines of like the services that are offered are more like tend to be more expensive because the people who become more accredited to do those things need a higher salary. I don't think
0: he said, I I think that was a, I drew that connection together. I don't think he said exactly like that. It was more, it was more emphasis on. Without negotiation of pay, someone with a doctorate degree generally will ask for higher reimbursement than or higher salary, basically, compensation than someone with a master's degree who's a licensed clinical social worker right. or MSW then, or something. Yeah. And I guess which increases yeah, cost. The, I mean for institutions. Normal so I But in in terms of the I, just, I, just prescri Oh
1: No go. In terms of just prescribing.
0: Oh. No. He said a lot of psychiatrists end up going private practice because of that. Because they want to be able to treat patients how they want to be able to treat them. And sometimes the institutions, they end up doing more prescriptions and running up more services. How much harder is it to go into private practice, though? I mean, it's running a business. I don't know. I, I I can't speak to it personally. I've never done it.
1: True, true. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's different. There's different responsibilities <laughs> and different. So, in your head, logistical.
1: right? Are you somebody who wants to do both drug prescription and? conversational therapy or do you really want to focus on solely the therapist psychology part of it and let somebody else do the the drug referrals and stuff like that
0: in my head i would like to be able to use both modalities of conventional therapy and drug intervention I also recognize there's some limitations because when you do medicine, you generally specialize in something. I mean, sometimes there are you're a family doctor and you take care of general things, but one person doesn't do, this is the age old, I end up doing a lot of different things and not focusing on one thing and being a generalist sometimes to a fault. And yeah, sure. whether or not like, I have to l- kind of let that go and just meet someone who's a great therapist to work with them in conjunction with them. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to work out.
1: Well, because this debate dictates whether you go to medical school or a different program, right? Yeah. Well, I think one, one thing
0: that I still want to do that I'm also trying to figure out now is there's lots of cool stuff going on in public health with uh, like sort of social listening but not exactly if you're familiar like using uh, social media data to determine how uh, counties and states and nations are doing and population level well-being. Um, and to do a lot of that stuff, I know I don't need to be a physician, but I think having a physician training to work in the context of the public, and in, uh, in the context of the health system, and to not get too esoteric and away from the end result of helping people do well and be well. Uh, I think having that as my formal training will influence that more than if I strictly do research. I mean, once again, that, that, that's my, that's my thought. I think there's lots of people who do both who end up either focusing way less on actual patients or who don't necessarily get medical training and then end up being more focused on how people are actually doing i don't know
1: yeah well it just sounds like there are like three main facets to what you kind of want to do here which is be a physician, be a therapist psychologist but then also do sla- research slash public health and uh it leads to a lot of uh I guess you know if you choose the medical path you still have you could still choose all of those options right but if you only choose public health you can only do public health does that make sense the medical option will be closed to me if
0: i don't go to med school
1: right but yeah. if you go to med school all of them are still open technically right, right. I mean, I know a lot of, pe- I know people who are pursuing like a dual MD, uh, MD, MPH program. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that, uh, I mean, that could be something yeah. you're looking at. That is something I'm looking at. This probably sounds like, this is probably some, uh, like a really weird topic for a podcast episode, but what I'm really trying to get at <laughs> is like, <laughs> people are like, they're just talking about what they want to do. Uh, but I think that's important, right? Because you said the word discern or discernment uh or you know thinking about what you are called to do while you're here and that's a really tough thing because i mean it's not that you know if you choose the wrong option your life is ruined forever you 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 learn how to adapt and figure out what to do with the circumstances but you still want to be able to do something that makes you happy and gives you life um Something I told, I I had somebody who was applying to, like, university slash and uh, grad school, whatever, applying to something. And they were like, I don't know if I should choose this option or that option, because if I choose that option, that's going to limit my options five years from now. But if I choose the other option, like, I might not be happy there. And I think especially because we're still young, relatively, I don't want to offend anybody. uh, Um but a lot changes in four years uh, especially in our 20s and so i I told that person you know don't think super far ahead think what will make you happiest in these four years um because so many things are going to happen in those four years whether it be a research opportunity or friends or a club or something like that that starts to orient you towards a certain way um, and so I, I totally hear your, uh, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? Or do I want to do this? Um, me personally, I see a therapist and a psychiatrist, so it's, I understand why you see that it's important to see it from like one person rather than from two, because they don't communicate well. So she doesn't know what she's doing and she doesn't know what she's doing. And so the medicine I'm being prescribed might be not consistent with the the therapy that I'm receiving. And, of course, I can relay to both of them, and they might have some sort of contact. Um, but still, there's a... a she... I'm, I'm going to say she's, because it's both. It works. She doesn't know what she knows about me, and she doesn't know what she knows about me, so it's an incomplete profile. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you could do both, both modals... Both modals? Both models? If you could do both... The psychiatrist stuff and the therapy stuff yeah yeah modalities oops modals i'm gonna look that up later and be like what's wrong um i'm looking it up right now then then you can you can provide a holistic sort of game plan one of the issues though that i found and i think why private practice from your point of view sounds so nice is that my psychiatrist is part of a public health system. Um, She can barely give me like 20 minutes and then she's on to the next patient and the next patient and the next patient. 20 minutes is enough to prescribe drugs, but it's not enough to have a therapy session. And she has to make that concession. And it's tough. I I can imagine that she wanted to be a psychiatrist for the same reason. But couldn't.
0: (laughs) I also also learned a very interesting thing from the aforementioned behavioral health overlord I actually don't know if that was (laughs) that might have been in the (laughs) was that before we started recording the second time should I just reiterate really briefly I had a discussion with behavioral health oh the supreme ruler of behavioral health (laughs) the supreme ruler of behavioral health for my organization (laughs) Um, okay Also mentioned that, at least in North Carolina, (laughs) roughly 70% of behavioral health services rendered are actually provided by primary care providers and not behavioral health specialists. Which is a larger percentage than I would have guessed. 70% of behavioral health services, this also... If this quote is not exactly correct, I apologize. I have not <laughs> looked up these numbers um, and I, I don't want to misquote. But basically, primary practice or primary care providers <clears throat> do a lot of work in the behavioral health space, even though they're not on paper behavioral health specialists. And something he said is going to be very important ongoing because there are not enough psychiatrists made to give every person the specific behavioral health attention that they require in this country, um, is consultations Mm -hmm. and treatment and working with primary care providers. And so having psychiatrists have time scheduled out half a day, a week or something, to be able to just check in with someone who's not necessarily a behavioral health specialist, but has a consistent relationship with a patient to just bounce ideas off of, like you said, in some ways to to have that communication. If you imagine that instead of your therapist, you just substitute that with your primary care provider and maybe yeah. they're refilling your prescriptions. But they're not sure, or you're at kind of a juncture in your treatment where you need to have a decision about what you're going to do next. Um, that way you can potentially get the best of both worlds in terms of the majority of my time where i had to open a private practice could be spent kind of doing therapy, how I see fit, um, for my patients. But I could also be spending that time touching base with a Different population of patients, potentially a higher volume without it seeming like it's kind of this conveyor belt of like pumping out prescriptions
1: just to yeah. generate revenue. So doing yeah, basically you, you have the capability to do both. Uh, that's what it sounded like. Sure. I, I also, um, I'm
0: not, I'm not incredibly knowledgeable on it. So once again, that's
1: it, but it, it does remind me of what we've talked about before about specialization and how uh, you and I are both generalists. So at least at this point in our life. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's hard. But uh, in in a really efficient, let's say, business, everyone specializes in something and then they just communicate really effectively so that their work gets, uh, passes on to the next person who needs that work. And I think something in the medical, and I'm generalizing because I'm not, I, I'm not really like you, just like deep in the medical field all the time. Um, but one of the issues with, Medicine is, well, there's a lot, but in America, well, in general, but in America, one of them is there's no, like, one, cross-hospital communication because they all use different systems. Like, when I moved to a different hospital or a different healthcare system, I had to start over with all of the information because my old hospital does data differently than other hospitals who do differently than other hospitals, so then it's, they cannot communicate, and that's really tough, Um. But furthermore, within a specific healthcare system, um, I, I mean, like your your overlord said, your supreme leader, your king uh, <laughs> said, um, creating a system or an environment where people, where everyone is related for that same patient ish. Um, so the PCP and the therapist and the psychiatrist are all in communication with each other. And that way they get a full view, physical, emotional, mental of a particular patient. Um, or the other thing you could do is make a PCP a generalist, which technically they are, and then have them refer to a special. I mean, that's what we're doing. That's what the that's current what system is, I guess. Yeah. But then also depends but on... I mean, still it what did you say? I
0: said, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you said some things, some you links can... go missing. Some, what did you say? Some, the last thing you said, Mm-mm. it's gone. It can, it can make it more difficult for the patient as well. If then the expectation is they need to be at three different places. If you already have someone yeah. who, because of a mental health issue is struggling to go about their day to day life and make it to their appointments, then you're talking about three locations. It's also an added difficulty, but, um,
1: yeah, but the other difficulty is, <laughs> is doctor shortage. And yeah. so you can't have all three, four, five high quality doctors in the same location necessarily because unless it's like have an abundance of doctors, Yeah. We don't have an abundance of doctors where we can fill every single thing that we need. So unless you were born or raised or you live in a very, very, very well off city or town where it is that. But tough, I think. Tough. Well, so I don't know if everyone or anyone knows. I don't know if everyone knows this. I know some people know this, but Josh and I went to the same university and studied medicine together. Ish. I mean, we didn't really have any classes, but we were on the same path, but out of all of our friends, my friends, I was like the only one who left, uh, most of my friends are still going to medical school or applying to medical school. Um, but I left and did something completely different. And this has to do with the whole discernment thing. Um, and something that I still grapple with because I still think about that path all the time. Um. But I, for me, especially with this conversation, the thing that I realized, what I, what I did to help me think about what I wanted to do is what I found myself talking about the most. And when the medical field was involved, I found myself looking at the system and being frustrated with the system and wanting to fix the system. And so that's public health or that's policy. And so I realized, okay, like for sure, then then it's not the doctor part of it that I personally want. It's that part of it. Um, and I think that was just, it didn't give me the answer of what I wanted to do, but it gave me the answer of what I should not do. And I just listened to that. And it was really scary because for 22 years of my life, it feels like I was geared up to be a doctor. And so to just cut that off, I mean, my identity completely shifted and I didn't know where I was going. But strangely enough, the feeling that I felt after I made that choice was just peace. It was peace. Not because I was settled or not because I knew what I wanted to do or because my life was going to be easy, but because in a weird way, my life was going like this, like spreading in like 50 different directions of so many things I wanted to do. And I just removed one, which means I had less options. and it's the idea of like the paradox of choice where if you have too many options you like don't really you're not really giving an equal analysis to all of them you're kind of you're not really choosing um and i found that when i minimized my choices uh i got to focus more on what i loved um and or figure that out and i i realize you know I love so many things, but there are things that I love more than other things and um you know that that becomes like this can be my job and this can be my hobby, and this can be something I do on the side, and this is something that I just think about, but there's no way I can make all five, six, seven of those things my job, or all five six seven of those my like expert passion, unless I was an absolute genius um and that used to frustrate me. Because I wanted to be the person who was able to do everything and anything and like be an expert in everything. Um, but the saying is, Jack of all trades, master of none. Nobody's the master of all trades. It's just impossible. And that was really humbling for me because it made me realize that we all really have just a very specific role in this society, not that it's predetermined for us. Um, but I am not called to do everything. And it doesn't make me less of a person for not doing being a doctor, and it doesn't make you less of a person for not doing what I'm doing. It's we all have to listen to our own loves and passions, and I think that's to me what discernment is. Um, but that being said, it makes it really hard then to knock anybody for the choice that they choose. And I used to do that in my head. I used to judge people for their like job choice uh, or their vocational choice. I'm go ah oh, like you're not, you're not supposed to do that. And I realize it's like, but I'm not them. <laughs> and for me to project what I think is good for me on somebody else, uh, and it's something that I'm learning, is that just because I think it's good for me does not mean it's objectively good for everybody else. Um, and with that respect, it's um, discernment is for self, not to project on others. Um, at least that's something that I've learned over the past few months
0: i think and touching on another point you made about doing every different thing one thing that i've come to realize is a lot of individuals who seem to have really impressive resumes who on paper are jack of all trades master of all trades usually did one thing at a time they weren't actually doing every single different thing that they did all at the same time. And so I think, especially in the age where I can, if I look someone up, because I think they're doing research that's interesting, and I see their whole CV and everything they've ever done in their whole life, or they have a little one paragraph bio that says they did this and this, this, this. I mean, that could be 25 years worth of work. They could have been doing those things for the amount of time that I've been alive. And that I think makes me more appreciative and focused on being where I am and, and saying, okay, this is where I am right now. So let me do what I'm doing to the best of my ability. Because I often fall down the hole of, oh, this is so cool. And this thing's so cool. And this thing's so cool. Instead of just saying what I'm doing is so cool. So I need to just focus and do it well because By doing things well, and then, you know, take the time, set aside, set aside the hour to reach out to people or complete applications or do your interviews for the next thing. I may, the the risk is that the quality of my med school application or the quality of, you know, if you're, if you're in school, a project is not as good as it could have been because you were thinking about something else the whole time. But
1: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, two things. One, we already talked about this before, so I'm not going to dive into it too deeply. But you say, it's basically that we only see the end result; we don't see the process of things. What's up, Felix? Um, you want a cameo? <laughs> should I?
0: Should I get
1: one? Yeah, you should. Come here. What's up? Just Instagram? say hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Felix. He can't hear me, but I can't see him. Hi, Felix. Ooh. Yo, you're what? listening to the warm tones of the Sennheiser RE20. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: the new oh stop! RE20. Oh, you were this is actually a you podcast. Breathing. This is actually a podcast, so people are going to be you like are breathing in, in my ears, laying down with headphones in, and you hear your heavy breathing. <laughs> this, is, this is why. I don't like podcasts. This is why. This is why it takes me a million. Times. <laughs> no, Felix does have a podcast. You just don't know about it yet.
1: Oh. oh yo you gotta stop putting things on his plate
0: it's a it's, it's a um it's a new thing it's called a um lyrical melodical podcast and actually it's a collection of short audio snippets that are almost musical actually i would describe them as musical and they you can play them in order uh and I'm pretty like sure a we call collection, them, like one episode, is like, like a like yeah, an, like we call it an Three, album, four minutes a but song, it's basically like oh, a musical yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's a musical? yeah. yeah. anywhere yeah, yeah, you stream, yeah. um,
1: this podcast, podcast you could probably podcasts. stream music, maybe. <laughs> I mean, not music. I mean, you to yeah. musical <laughs> podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go rip some on Spotify. I'm gonna go rip some bicep curls. I want to let all. Yeah. I want to let. All, Do you got it? You got to flex on everybody. I work out. Dude, what so do what do everyone who's listening? Yeah. <laughs> Under all these clothes, there's a human. That's all I'll reveal today. <laughs> Epic. All right, Epical. Felix. Get out of here. <laughs> Epical. Um for those of you who don't know, Felix is uh if you've watched the video of upward together he's the one whose song is played well josh and felix i I don't know what to that it's their song that they made so <laughs> yeah um that's him hopefully so, we'll hopefully we'll see him around in more videos yeah what yeah i think we will
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, um back so cool. to the
1: point one uh, we we talked about it already so i don't want to touch on it but you I, what you said about the you know the cv and how it took years and they did one at a time uh it's basically the antithesis of what our current generation is experiencing which is this instant gratification we need to be good at everything now and if we don't do it slowly methodically and intentionally it's not worth it um, but if you want to be like those people who accomplish so many things it's a long that's process. the only way you can a do a very it, really. very 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 long process yeah. yeah the only way to do things there's is no shortcut i think even if you are a genius yeah without burning out or losing interest yeah. yeah i mean
0: or like because we live in an age where someone's whole entire career of doing so many different things could last 18 months and then you fade into obscurity that that's yeah i mean that's not what i'm trying to do with my life
1: right it's not a one-stop shop i want a quick quick step to success and fame and then what's next it's like this no, consistency no quick steps
0: no shortcuts
1: just pushing through. But the second thing I wanted to say is this this whole (laughs) second thing I wanted to say is the whole, um, idea. And then we're probably close to closing, but the whole idea of you don't want to spread yourself too thin or else you're not giving your all to one thing. And then it actually detracts from things that you actually love. I actually, so I freelance right now and I have different clients and I do a lot of things for them. Um, but I've actually like and terminated one of my client relationships because it was I found myself like drained and not being able to do the other things that I wanted to do. And in that regard, it's very similar to that med school saying no to the med, med school path and doing something else. When that happened and I like cut it off and it was very cordial and we're still friends and it's friendly. Um, mm hmm. I felt peace again, because I realized as much as I want to help them and as much as I want to do it for them, it detracts from the other things that I want to do. And in order for me to actually make those things worthwhile, I need more time. And so having that discernment process, it made me realize, and I need to write about this or reflect on it more. um, It's not always about saying yes, and it's not always about saying no. It's that balance of knowing when to say no and when to say yes. And just because I'm excited, like, like you are and, and, and like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I have to also consider the feelings of the other person that I'm serving or the uh, organization I'm working for, because if I'm saying yes and promising so many things, and then all of a sudden my work is divided because I have other things to do, then I'm over-promising and under-delivering. And that hurts then them, it ends up like the but project. it also hurts me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so so I had to I had to say no. And now I'm realizing I should probably reflect on things before I say yes to things very ex- I like I shouldn't just listen to my emotions. I should also listen to the the logic and the reason behind it. So Anything you want to s- comment on before you say the thing before you say that thing that you usually say at the end of the podcast episodes,
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like bashful about it. You mean you mean before we we end the episode, before we close out, yeah. for the day? Yeah. before the conversation yeah. is is terminated, like a client relationship.
1: Wow, way to way to call back. That's good. That's good. That's good. Active listening right there. Wow.
0: (laughs) Just thanks everyone who listens. Um, We love hearing feedback. Even if you're my dad listening, it means the world (laughs) whenever you, (laughs) whenever you um, gain something or hear something interesting. I, I will definitely say we have taken a little bit of time off both intentionally slash unintentionally so uh, <laughs> if this episode seems a little extra unhinged compared to the last few i would say it's because it is the groove kind of steadily deteriorated but we're we're back
1: we're back <laughs> we were we're definitely rusty but it's good it's good but it's, it's start the somewhere. showing up it's the
0: showing up that's why we
1: started this in the first place <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um we got more things in store for you guys. We say that every time, but I promise, nope, not gonna overpromise and under deliver. We're just gonna do what we do and we're gonna we're gonna, we're do gonna try. We're gonna take it slowly. We're gonna do it. But all right.
0: Love everyone.
1: And we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Peace. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you all for listening each week. It would mean a lot to us if you left a rating and review, as well as recommend the podcast to people you know. Your feedback helps us improve, allowing more people to find this podcast and muse along with us. If our conversation gave something to you, maybe it will give something to someone else. It sure gives something to us. See you all next time.